we've all watched with horror in recent days the events going on in our world. And um, as we think about those a moment, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 15. We're going to be focusing on Revelation chapter 15 and 16. Thank you, choir, uh, so much for that um, good number to think about his love. Think about his goodness. What a loving God we serve. Revelation chapter 15 and verse 16. Revelation chapter 15 and 16 today. We've all watched with horror in recent days uh, the events going on in our world. Uh, We've seen as ISIS is still busy beheading our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, We've watched in just the last little bit the burning of Baltimore as the rioting and the looting uh, takes place. And then, of course, we're not far, at least our minds are not far from the devastation of the earthquake uh, that happened in Nepal. And it seems as the days go by, every day we're told of another horrible event uh, that's going on in our world. We all know, I trust, that we live in a fallen Sin-cursed world. But its days are numbered. The Bible teaches that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We've been studying that in depth on Wednesday nights with our group. Uh, But before that takes place, before there is a new heaven and a new earth, there are several things that must be dealt with when it concerns our present earth. Judgment is coming. And we've been studying through the book of Revelation, beginning back in chapter 1, and then especially when you think about judgment, uh, chapters 4 and beyond, we've been studying these various judgments. And we've seen two sets so far, both made up of seven. We've had seven seal judgments, as that seal document is open and each seal reveals uh, judgment. Seven seal judgments. Seven trumpet judgments. And today we're going to add a third set, and that is seven bowl judgments. And as you see, the seventh seal contained the seven trumpet judgments, and the seventh trumpet contained the seven bowl judgments. And so we're going to cover two chapters today uh, here in Revelation. In chapter 15, we're going to find the preparation for the bowl judgments. And in chapter 16, we'll find the judgments, the bold judgments themselves. And what we're about to read about, beloved, is something that makes Baltimore and Nepal and the like seem mild. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not belittling what's taking place in our world. Uh, These should be matters of prayer and concern and compassion. But what I mean is by comparison, what we're about to read is unlike anything this world has ever seen. As we read, watch for these phrases. The wrath of God is complete. Watch for the phrase, the full wrath of God. Watch for this phrase. Go and pour out the bowls of wrath of the wrath of God on the earth. And so we find that this is judgment being talked about here in these chapters. The preparation for the bold judgments and then the bold judgments themselves. Now, I want to get our bearings of where we are. Because maybe you've walked in the very first time today. Maybe you've been here for the entire study. But way back, I gave you a chart that looks like this. Kind of some of the highlights of the end time drama. And those are still back there if you need a copy of it. And we find that we're living right now 
uh, during the church age. And the next event on the uh, timeline is the rapture. We'll be called up to be with the Lord as we meet Him in the air. Then probably a short time of preparation will take place. And then the tribulation period will take place. Seven years. And they're divided into three and a half year sections. And the second part is known as the Great Tribulation. And so where are we on the timeline? Well, believe it or not, we're right there. We're just before, right before the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to get your bearings. We're right there. Jesus Christ is about to return the second coming. We're coming right up on the Battle of Armageddon and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you've got your bearings. Let's read the chapters. And I want you to follow along as I read them today. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to go and we're going to read all of chapter 15. It's only eight verses. All of chapter 16. And then come back and unpack it together. Okay? So you watch for those phrases. You watch as we read. And I'll begin reading at Revelation chapter 15, verse number 1. Then I saw another sign in heaven... Great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last trumpets, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. And the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle, the testimony in heaven, was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with a golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So there's the preparation. Now chapter 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Verse 7. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. And power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. 
And his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and did not repent of their deeds. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Verse 16. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. Now, I'll be honest, that's a lot to process, is it not? This is shocking. It's unsettling, it's awe-inducing, but it is the truth. And it is the future of those who reject God's grace. Now I want to unpack these chapters with you, chapters 15 and 16 today. And I want you to notice, first of all, very simply, that God pours out His wrath. God pours out His wrath. Back in chapter 15, verse 7, we have uh, one of the four living creatures gives seven angels seven bowls filled with the wrath of God. And then in chapter 16, beginning at verse 1, these angels are are told to go and pour out these bowls of wrath upon the earth. So let's run through the bowls real quickly and see what's in the bowls and what happens to those who are dwelling upon the earth. In chapter 16, verse 2, we find that there are painful sores. And painful sores come upon those who worship the beast, that is the Antichrist, and his image. And so those who are busily, falsely worshiping the Antichrist in his image, they're covered in painful, loathsome, loathsome, foul sores. Now imagine that being covered in sores. All of them who rejected the Lord and worship uh, the Antichrist in his image. And then the second bowl is poured out and you have the sea turning to blood. The Bible says it describes it as, as of a, blood, a dead man and all the sea life dies. Now, we've seen some judgments similar to this already, but only a part of the sea or a part of these things. This says the sea, the sea was turned to blood and all the sea creatures die. I want you to imagine that if you can. It's hard to get your arms around, but imagine Um, The devastation, imagine the stench, imagine all that goes with that as God is pouring out his wrath, as God is pouring out these plagues upon the earth. And that's the sea, uh, sea and the sea creatures. And then the third bowl we find is the fresh water is turned to blood there in chapter 16 and verse four. So imagine how difficult that will be. 
uh, to find something to drink as the fresh water sources turn to blood. And then we come to the fourth bowl, and the fourth bowl, the sun itself, somehow God makes it the climatic changes or whatever, where the sun begins to scorch men. The intensity of the heat of the sun. And then we go from that to the fifth bowl where there's now darkness upon the earth. And darkness comes. And you kind of see some similarity, do you not? Thinking about the plagues that touched Egypt back during Pharaoh's time. And then we come to the sixth. And we're running through this fast because we want to outline these and talk more about them and what God is doing here. But the, the sixth thing is the Euphrates River dries up. And it dries up in preparation for the battle of Armageddon. Now, this is not the battle of Armageddon. We'll read about that in chapter 19, but preparation for the battle of Armageddon. And it talks about something kind of strange to us there that demons come out of the mouths of this unholy trinity. Remember, the unholy trinity is the Antichrist and the false prophet and Satan. And so we have there in chapter 16, Verse number 13, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, that is Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So these demons come out of their mouths. Why? Verse 14, they perform signs and go out to the kings of the earth, the whole world, to gather them to this great battle that's coming, the battle of Armageddon. And then Jesus gives warning, does he not? In that next verse, chapter 16, verse 15, behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And so you have this sixth plague here is the Euphrates River is drying up in preparation for the battle of Armageddon. And then number seven is the the worst earthquake in the history of mankind and a great hailstorm. Now, it's interesting. It may disturb you a little bit there. It says that the great city will be divided into three parts. That would be Jerusalem. And maybe it disturbs you that Jerusalem be divided in this earthquake. But notice what John MacArthur said here. He said that Jerusalem will be split into three parts, Zechariah 14.4, not as judgment, not as judgment, but as improvement. The additional water supply, Zechariah 14.8, the topographical changes, Zechariah 14.4 and 5, will prepare the city for its central place in the millennial kingdom. Jerusalem is the only city to be spared the judgment. You can see First Chronicles 23 and Psalm 125 and Micah 4, 7. And it will be made more beautiful, according to Psalm 48, too. And so you have Jerusalem's impacted and it's split into three, but as a way of improving and preparing the city for the millennial kingdom. But think about these hailstones for a moment. It says that they're the weight of a talent. As I was studying, that's anywhere from 75 to 100 pounds. Now, think about that. Hailstones that weigh 75 to 100 pounds falling from the sky. That's what's coming, this earthquake. And not only that, it says that uh, this earthquake and and these uh, judgments here of the seventh bowl is going to destroy Babylon. That is, the Antichrist kingdom will be judged. And we're going to read about that in the next two chapters. Chapter 17 and chapter 18 are going to give us the details of the destruction of Babylon or the Antichrist kingdom. So a kind of a preview, we're studying 15 and 16 today, the bold judgments. I said this brings us right up before the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Christ. The next two chapters, chapter 17 and 18, we'll get details about Babylon's destruction. Then we're right into chapter 19.
And we're going to find the Battle of Armageddon and so forth. Now, as you look at those judgments and you think about these bold judgments, some might be thinking, well, how can this be? How can a loving God do this? I mean, we just think about think about his love. Think about his goodness. And then we talk about these things. And God says, listen, I'm getting ready to pour out my wrath upon the earth. Well, it's true that God is a loving God. And we love him only because he first loved us. But the Bible also declares in the book of Hebrews that God is a consuming fire. That is, God is loving and merciful, but he's also righteous and he's just. He is perfect in his love and he's perfect in his wrath. And I want to show you today how it is that God is right to pour out his wrath upon this earth and upon the people dwelling during this time. God is right to pour out his wrath. And I want to show you from these two chapters specifically how God is right to do this. Go back to chapter 15 and let's set set the stage for this. Look at chapter 15, verse 2. We know what's coming. We saw the bold judgments, but let's see why God is right in doing this. Look at uh, Revelation 15, 2. John says, I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who had victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. These are more than likely martyrs who refuse to worship the Antichrist. They refuse to worship his image. They refuse to take the mark of the beast, the number of his name, the 666. And they're there in victory, standing on that sea of glass, having harps of God. Um, We find them before the throne. Revelation 4, 6. We saw this crystal-like sea of glass. Revelation 4, 6 is before the throne. There was a sea of glass like crystal. So you have these more than likely martyred believers. They're standing before the throne of God. They've been put to death because of their faith. Because they would not follow the Antichrist. And they're singing a song of victory. And according to verse 3, they're singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. The song of Moses may take us back to Exodus 15 or Deuteronomy 32. The song of the Lamb takes us probably back to Revelation chapter 5. But we're given specifically some of the words they sing. Look at verses 3 and 4. We're in chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. And the song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Now, beloved, God is right to pour out his wrath, first of all, because of who he is. Because of who he is. The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. That's Psalm 19.9. Now here in Revelation 15, we just read that these saints, more than likely these martyred saints, are singing about his greatness and about his marvelous works. They're, They're singing about the fact that he's almighty. They're singing about the fact that his ways are just and true. He is holy. And they say there, one day all nations will worship before him. All nations reminds us of Psalm 66, 4. Psalm 66, 4 says all the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. Selah. One day, according to Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God also has had exalted him. That is Jesus 
and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's coming a day where they will bow the knee and they will proclaim that he is Lord to the glory of God. All nations will worship him. We find these martyred saints who we believe are martyred saints standing here before the throne of God. They're praising him. And it's interesting not only to see that the saints are praising him, but also there's an angel mentioned in chapter 16. Did you notice it? Look at chapter 16, verses 5 and 6. Chapter 16, verses 5 and 6. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they, those that are being judged, for they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets. And you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. This angel says, Lord, you're right in what you're doing. You're right in sending this plague. You're right in giving them blood to drink because they killed your saints and your prophets. It's interesting, not only do the saints in heaven and the angel, but did you notice likewise that uh, another voice comes from the altar? Look at the next verse, chapter 16, verse 7. I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. What altar is he talking about? Well, I think it takes us back to what we've already studied in Revelation 6. Do you remember in Revelation chapter 6, we have these martyred souls that are under the altar? Let me refresh your memory. Listen to Revelation 6, 9 through 11. When he opened the fifth seal, so we're going back to the seal judgments. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who are on the earth? They killed us. How long before you avenge us? Verse 11. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. And so I think you have that voice in the altar is the voice of those martyrs who are under the altar. And they're saying to him, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Those that already been slain for the faith. God is right. God is right to pour out his wrath because of who he is. I said to you last week that he has perfect wrath, perfect wrath because he's perfect. And everything that he does and everything he is is perfect. But not only right because of who he is, but also because of man's response. Did you notice man's response as we read the passage today? God is pouring out his wrath upon the earth and these people. And what is their response? Well, look back at verse 16, chapter 16, verse 9. Chapter 16, verse 9. And men were scorched with great heat and they what? Blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. Look at verse 11. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Revelation 16, 21. Look at verse 21. And great hail from heaven fell upon men and each hailstone was about the weight of a talent, 75 to 100 pounds. What happened? Men did what? Blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail since that plague was exceedingly great. They're being judged. The wrath of God is falling and they don't cry out for mercy. They don't cry out repentance. Instead, they harden their hearts and they blaspheme the name of God Almighty. 
And it's interesting. It's interesting to put your finger there and turn back to chapter 13. Chapter 13. In chapter 13, there's the description of the beast. We know the beast now is the Antichrist. And I want you to notice the beast. Look at chapter 13, verse 1. Chapter 13, verse 1. Then I stood on the sea of the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his ten, on his ten crowns, and on his heads a what? A blasphemous name. Drop down to chapter 13, verse 5. And he was given a mouth, chapter 13, verse 5, he was given a mouth speaking great things and what? Blasphemies. Look at Revelation chapter 13. Look at the next verse, verse 6. Then he opened his mouth in what? In blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name as tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. Do you notice what's going on here? The people have become like the false god they worship. They're worshiping the Antichrist. They're worshiping his image. And he's filled with blasphemy for God and his people and his tabernacle and his things. And what do the people do? They follow their false gods and they blaspheme God Almighty. These people become like the false god they worship. Though God is a God of grace. And he is. God has made a way, the way for forgiveness. For forgiveness through the sacrifice of his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, come to me, all you who labor and every lady, I will give you rest. I'll forgive your sin. I'll make you a child of God. I'll give you a home in heaven. All these things, if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in my son, the Lord Jesus. These people refuse to repent. They absolutely refuse to repent and turn to Jesus. And so God will exercise his wrath upon them, and he's perfectly right in doing so. Now, I don't know about you, but does it frighten you like it frightens me to think that some people in this room, in this very room, right here, maybe sitting behind you, beside you, somebody in this room could be facing these very things we just read. Someone in our community Someone you work with, someone you go to school with, someone, you know, a neighbor, someone in your family could face these awful things we just read about. Why? Because a rapture could happen today. Nothing else has to happen. The Lord Jesus could come again and receive us into himself. Those of us who know him, we could go home today to be with him. And then in just a short time, in a little over seven years from now, these things that we just read about could happen to those that we know and we love. And that is if they even make it this far. We've already seen how horrible things are going to be. How on earth up to this point, they may be taken out earlier in the tribulation time. But there are those in this room that could face these things that we just read about. If you're here today and you do not know for certain That Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. This could be your future. You just read about it. I beg you today. I plead with you. Please repent of your sin. Turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And you'll not face these things. In fact, you'll you'll be given pardon and forgiveness. A home in heaven. And when the rapture comes, you'll go home to be with him. Or if you die first, to be absent of the bodies, be present with the Lord. Don't. Risk it. And I mean absolutely certain. I mean no doubt. 
You should know if you're saved or not. The Bible talks about we can have assurance. And if you're not sure today, please make it sure. Please place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then for those who say, you know what, preacher, I know I'm sure. Well, first of all, hallelujah. Praise the Lord that you know. But what about the other people that you know? Have you warned them to flee from the wrath to come? The wrath of God? I mean, you just read the future. Possibly some of your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your schoolmates. Have you sounded the alarm and said, listen, friend, judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. And we haven't even talked about the fact that they may go out here. They may be taken out by a large hundred pound hell stone, but that's not the end. Then they spend eternity in the lake of fire. How dare we not warn them? There's no time to waste. Tell them and tell them soon that wrath is coming, but they don't have to endure it. They can place their faith in Jesus Christ and have the forgiveness of their sin. A home in heaven and joy and peace for all eternity. Are you ready? And to those that you know, are they ready? Father, we are humbled as we view your wrath today. Thank you for deliverance from wrath. Thank you that Jesus bore our wrath upon the cross. And if we'll trust him will not endure your wrath, but your grace. Lord, my heart breaks to think that someone in this room, someone listening to the sound of my voice, may face these very things. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will convict hearts and lives right now. I admit and confess, Father, that I cannot save anyone. I can't do anything along those lines. Father, you've told me to proclaim the gospel, to make it plain, to make it clear, to pray, to seek you. And your Holy Spirit must work. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in the lives of men and women, boys and girls, teenagers today. And those who don't know Christ and those who are not sure if they know Christ, Lord, I pray that you grip their hearts today and bring them to Christ, bring them to the cross, bring them to salvation. Do it for your glory, O God. And then, Lord, I pray that you would burden our hearts as we watch our world crumbling around us. And we know that it's going to wax worse and worse and we see the things that are coming Would you just help us to walk with the realization that we are ambassadors for Christ and you've left us here to tell others about Jesus. So, Lord, burden our hearts for our co-workers and our classmates and our friends and our neighbors and our acquaintances and everybody we come in contact with. Burden our hearts to share Christ with them, to share the gospel with them, to help them to flee the wrath. That is coming. Father, you have your will, your way in this place today. And we'll ensure that you receive all the honor 
and all the glory. Amen. Twofold invitation today as we sing 308, Pasquin Auto, Gentle Savior. Two simple things. Number one, if you need to be saved, if you need to be saved, here's what I want you to do. So we begin to sing. Would you just come meet me at the front here? I'll not embarrass you. I won't point you. I'm just going to welcome you here and then place you as someone who will take a Bible and lead you to Jesus. That's just what we're going to do. I'll talk with you after this service. We'll help you to begin to grow in your Christian life. But right now we're asking you to step out and say, listen, I need to be saved. And we'll place you with someone who will lead you to Jesus. And so as we begin singing, you come. The second thing is this. Maybe you're here today and say, you know what? I know I'm saved. I'm certain about that. But I know I have a friend or a loved one or a classmate or a co-worker or a family member, somebody that God has burdened my heart about today. Why don't you come and call their name out at this altar? Why don't you come and pray for them and call their name out before God? And pray that God would open a door and, and work in their heart. Maybe you've spoken to them about Christ in days gone by. Would you come and just cry out for that person that they would be saved? And if God chooses, He would use you to reach them. Why don't you come today and do that? So twofold invitation. Number one, if you need to be saved, if you come to me, I'll be right down front. And I'll welcome you and put you with someone who will share Christ. If you want to come, you're already saved. You just want to come pray for someone today. Why don't you do that? Call their name out to the Lord. And ask him to save them. 308, pass me not, O gentle Savior. You come as we sing.